recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. Uh, it's a pleasure to, to be back here, live streaming from uh, the auditorium. Uh, if you're new with us um, or you haven't um, had a chance um, to, to be here in person, my name's Anoj. Um, it's a privilege to share with you from God's Word this morning. Um, if you are new with us and you're joining us this week for your first or second time, we're in the in, in the back end of our vision series. Um, on the theme of, of firm or standing and remaining steadfast. And uh, we're coming towards the back end of that. And, and this morning we're going to look at a, a passage which is probably one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture. That is Psalm 23. Uh, but before we do that, I wonder if you can just um, start by casting your mind back to maybe a time where you felt a little bit afraid, where you felt a little bit uneasy about what was ahead of you. I remember when I um, first started working um, full-time for the first probably three weeks, I absolutely hated it. I enjoyed my uni days. I enjoyed the freedom that had. I enjoyed the fact that I was in control of everything I did and I, was, I knew and was comfortable in the, the things that I was doing. And um, I started working. and it was unknown and I hated it. For the first three weeks, I'm pretty sure I wanted to resign probably three or four times. Um, and I felt like I was on the precipice of something hard. I mean, he's like, oh man, I'm starting the next 40 years of my life. Like, what's going on? Um, and I felt that fear. I felt that, that dread. And I wonder if you've been there before in some way, shape, or form. Maybe you're there now in, in particular circumstances in your life where you feel the stress or the strain or the anxiety of what you're about to go through or what you're facing at the moment. Maybe it's a, a big life change, a career change, a, a change in where you live. Maybe it's a relational breakdown or disagreement. Maybe uh, you're being forced to face something um, from your past, which is, which is scary. Maybe it's a, a health concern, whatever it might be. When we face these situations, how can we stand firm? How can we remain steadfast? How can we stand secure in those times where we're afraid or we fear what's ahead? Well, this morning, I want to invite us to turn uh, to Psalm 23. We're going to read it. Um, we're going to read all six verses, but in particular, we're just going to focus on verse four uh, for the remainder of the sermon, but we'll read the entirety for the sake of context. This is what Psalm 23 says. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just this morning, we'll look at four things. We're going to start by looking at um, a reason to stand firm. What reason does this passage give us to stand firm and remain secure? 
Secondly, we're going to look at a reason for hope. What does this passage say about reasons why we can have hope that that um, surety or that security is going to be there? Number three, we're going to look at a reason to trust. How can we trust the promises that are here in this passage? And finally, we're going to look at how we can do it or live it out or pursue that. So a reason to stand firm, a reason to hope, a reason to trust and how we can do it. Let me pray and then we'll dive in. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that your word is um, relevant, it's, it's alive, it speaks, Lord God. And we just want to pray that as we unpack this famous passage, um, in particular verse 4, Lord, we pray that by your spirit you would speak to our hearts. Father, we pray that you would stir us and encourage us uh, to see what your word says um, and, and be edified in our faith. I pray that you guard my words as well and help me to be faithful to you and to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's dive in. Um, the first thing we're looking at is a reason to stand firm. And as I said a moment ago, we're going to focus on verse 4 um, this morning. So let, let's read it again, the first part. It says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now let's hone in a little bit on what David is saying here um, to start with. You know, some of you guys might have grown up reading um, the older translation, which says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He's, he's talking about those moments in life where we, we feel like we're, we're facing something that's quite difficult. Maybe it's a, a relational breakdown. Maybe it's um, some kind of issue you're having at home or at work. Maybe it is um, facing the, the, a dark valley, even death itself. Maybe it's, it's facing health issues for loved ones or, or people around, around you. David's talking about those moments where we find ourselves quivering in our boots a little bit, where we're wrestling with some kind of anxiety or fear about a situation that's before us, maybe even facing death itself. And for some of us this morning, that, that's perhaps where we find ourselves. As I said before, maybe it's a close family member or friend and there's been relational strain there. Maybe it's a sickness, a cancer diagnosis, um, a health or physical injury that's gripping our hearts. Maybe it's the current COVID situation, things opening up. Will cases spike? Will I get sick? Will someone I love get sick as well? Maybe it's about the church situation, what's happening with church moving forward, how are we going to navigate that? Whatever it is, I'm sure all of us have either been there or we are there right now where we feel the anxiety of those situations. We can all resonate with that feeling of being on the edge of a dark valley of some kind where we look ahead and we ask ourselves, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to deal with this? How can I stop, um, how can I stop this from completely overcoming or crushing me? That's the type of situation that David's got in mind when he's writing this psalm. And yet, interestingly, he says that he fears no evil or he will fear no evil. In other words, he'll be able to remain firm and secure and the question then beckons, well, how? How is it that David can say that? Now, at this point, you'd expect him to sort of say something like, oh, because he knows that God's going to turn the situation around or because he's going to bring healing or he's going to bring restoration or because he's going to make the, the path clear. But he doesn't say that. The reason David gives for why he will fear no evil, he says, is for you are with me. See, for David, the presence of God the fact that God was with him by his side was the security that he was placing his hope in. He was able to stand firm because he knew that God was with him, that no matter what that dark valley held, whether it was going to be a short or long season, whether it was going to be difficult or uh, fairly minor, no matter what it held, he knew he would be, be okay because God was with him. 
I remember when I was a, I was a child, um, believe it or not, I used to be scared of the dark. You, you wouldn't guess it being, looking my size now. But when I was a child, I remember, you know, sometimes we'd be in the living room as a family, everyone's there, and I'd have to go to my room or go to the bathroom, and we, we'd have a, a dark corridor that I'd got to walk through. Um, and I remember there were times where I would ask, you know, one of my parents or my older brother, maybe not my little brother, but my older brother, um, and my, my granddad, someone to come with me, even just to stand at the edge of the, the corridor whilst I walked to my room and got what I needed. Now, if I think about that situation, in, 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 all, in all honesty, I mean, if there was something there, if someone was waiting to grab me and attack me, the fact that my, my parents or my brother was down the corridor wasn't necessarily going to protect me in, all, in its entirety. But there was something about having someone with me as I walked through the dark corridor that gave me peace. And I, okay, it's all right. You know, at least if I get attacked, someone's there watching with me. There was that sense of peace that I had because I knew I wasn't alone. I'm sure many of us can relate to a similar scenario. And that's in the same vein as what David is saying here in our passage. That even when we're facing times of difficulty or impossible situations, David saying he was able to have peace because he knew that God was with him. He was able to stand firm because of the presence of God. And so this morning, church, as, as we look at our own hearts and we look at our own lives, I really believe this is something that, that we need to remember and recall and hold on to. The fact that God has promised to be with us, even through the darkest valleys, even through the things where we can't understand, he promises to be with us. Even when we get that shock health diagnosis and we, or we feel stuck in a difficult situation, even if we feel isolated over the past three months, we feel like we just don't know where our friends are, who actually cares about me. And it feels so dark, God is with you there. Even when we're in physical pain or, or have some kind of physical ailment, God promises that he will be with us even in the darkest valleys. And church, I believe some of us this morning need to hear that promise. We live in a time where there's so much anxiety, so much fear, so much uncertainty. And it's in precisely times like this that we need to remember that God promises to be with us. He promises to be with us. And that's our first point this morning. We can remain firm and steadfast because we have the presence of God with us. What does that exactly mean? What, why is that good news? I mean, what, what hope does that sort of offer to us? Which brings us to our, our second point, a reason, to, a reason to hope. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. The, the subtitle is a, a little misleading um, because I think our passage doesn't just give us one reason to hope, but two, or, or two reasons that we can have hope that the presence of God is a good thing. Turn me again to, to verse 4. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, here's where we need to remember sort of the context of the psalm, which is why we read it in its entirety. David has declared at the start that God is his shepherd. Now, dare I say it, none of us have probably had experience being a professional shepherd. Um, I probably bet my bottom dollar that none of us know anyone who's a professional shepherd. Um, in fact, the closest that perhaps many of us have come to being a shepherd um, is when in kids' church, you know, Christmas time comes around and says, hey, can you be a shepherd? And you, you put a tea towel on your head and a bed sheet over yourself and you, you run around and say, yeah, but I can be a shepherd. That's probably the, the closest that we've come. But for, for a way of understanding, shepherds at that time, they often had a couple of things with them to help them do their job. And one of them was the rod. 
um, the rod or a club that they might carry with them, which was often there to protect. It was to protect the sheep. If there was a, a, a predator that came, uh, came across the flock or maybe even a thief that came across, the, the shepherd had that club to protect and to, um, to, to shield the sheep from, from whatever danger that was ahead. Um, at the same time, something we're more familiar with is that the shepherd had his crook, which was used to guide and to bring sheep back into line. And um, often, um, a story has it that at the end of the day, when, when the sheep are being counted um, as they enter back into the pen, they, they walk underneath the, the shepherd's rod. And it's just a sign of, to the sheep of the fact that the shepherd knows them and he cares and he's there. And David's using these images or these symbols to reflect that the character that God has as well that God also has the power to protect and to shield and to guide, to care for us, to lead us, even when we can't see the next step in front of us. And we see in this verse that David is reflecting on the character of God. It wasn't just the fact that God was with him, but also the character of the God that was with him. And that was the basis for which he was able to have his peace. And so again, church, this morning, this too is a promise that we can and need to cling to. The invitation is here to those of us who feel like we're facing something difficult right now or something stressful. The invitation here is to gaze on the character of your shepherd. God is a God who knows you deeply. He knows the fear you feel about the sickness um, or the, the, the health concern of your, your loved one. He knows the strain of a, of a difficult relationship. He knows the, the stress of weighing up difficult decisions. He knows what the, the stress and anxiety may feel about COVID or how things are going to plan out. He knows the anxiety you fear if you feel about your family members or friends who are far away and in difficult situations. He knows that and he promises to be with you. The God that we serve is a God that cares, a God that loves, a God that guides, a God that protects. And he is, that is the God that, that uh, promises to be with us on the precipice of the darkest valley. See, the church, see, church, the reason we can have hope that the presence of God being with us through the darkest valley is enough is because we know the character of that God that is with us. We can trust and know that he's there, that he can and does protect us and he cares and he loves us and he is with us. We can have hope because we know that that is who our God is. And so we've seen then that God promises to be with us in the darkest of times, but that inevitably begs the question, how can we actually trust it? If you're anything like me, you've probably had those moments where things quite ha- haven't quite added up. You've, you've prayed for healing and deliverance, but that never came. You prayed for restoration of relationship, but it just seemed to get worse. You've wrestled with habitual sin, and yet you still can't seem to shake it. You've prayed and asked God to, to stir your faith, and yet over the last three, four months, you feel further and further away from God, and you just don't know where he is. He seems silent and distant. How can we trust that God's promise to be with us is true, that it will hold firm? Which brings us to our third point this morning, a reason to trust. Church, if you find yourself there this morning where you're wrestling with that, that fear, God's word offers a remedy for us that soothes our turbulent hearts. Last week, we had uh, three um, amazing men of God share um, an encouragement during our service. And um, in particular, something that Josh said, I think, really stood out to me was uh, we talked about trust 
And he talked in essence about how when we, when we put our trust in something or someone, what makes it so difficult is because we're completely letting go of control. Whether or not this succeeds is no longer dependent on us, it's dependent on someone else. And I think to continue in that same vein, I think when we're trying to make that assessment of whether we can trust, whether we can um, put our trust in someone else, even when things seem difficult, often what we tend to do, and rightfully so, is recall some of the things that may have done in the past that will give us evidence to say, yep, they've done this, they're probably going to be faithful and trustworthy now. And in a similar way, we need to do a similar thing here because when we step back and look at the entirety of Scripture, we see that the pages of Scripture are littered with examples of God's faithfulness and trustworthiness to Israel, to us as his people. But there's one which stands out beyond all else. Because see, a few thousand years after this psalm was written, Jesus Christ came to this earth from the line of David. And if you're familiar with the, shep- uh, sorry, with the Christmas story, you know that one of the names that was given to Jesus was Emmanuel, which means God with us. God physically came and dwelt amongst his people. God was, uh, Jesus was the holy, perfect son of God who came to earth and walked this earth. He lived amongst us. He experienced the, 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 the tra- uh, trauma of, of relational betrayal, of si- sickness and death of loved ones. He, he knew what that was like. And in John 10, verse uh, 11 to 18, Jesus declares, he, he says there that he is the good shepherd. He says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Church, do you hear that this morning? Jesus is the ultimate shepherd the one who knows his flock intimately. For all the the splendor and beauty of Psalm 23, it it ultimately points to a true and better shepherd. He is the one that promises us living waters to restore our souls. He, by his spirit, is the one that guides us along right paths. He's the one that provides for us so that we can truly say, I lack nothing. He's the one who quietens the storms and the waters that otherwise can take over our hearts. Psalm 23 ultimately points us to the good and perfect shepherd, Jesus Christ. What do we see happen to that shepherd, the good shepherd? Jesus in John 10, he foretells and he says that he would ultimately lay down his life for the sheep. And he does this because he knew that, that there was one thing that could ultimately separate us from his presence. If you go back way back into the Garden of Eden, the, the thing that cut humanity off from the physical presence of God was sin. And so when Jesus came, he came to deal with the one thing that could threaten this promise that God could be, for God to be with us. He came to deal with our sin. And so ultimately he went to the cross and on the cross he died, paying the price for our sin. See, on the cross we see the good shepherd being the sacrificial lamb of God. On the cross we see Jesus bearing the rod of God's wrath and justice to pay the price for our sin. On the cross, Jesus not only faced the valley of the shadow of death, he faced death itself. Even though he was sinless, even though he was holy, even though he did nothing to deserve being cut off, he faced death itself. And yet in one of the most gut-wrenching phrases in all the Bible, he declares on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, Jesus was forsaken so that we wouldn't have to be. 
Jesus had his head crowned with thorns and blood so that ours could be anointed with oil. Jesus was cut off in that moment so that we could trust the promise as here in this passage that God will be with us even through the darkest valley. Why? Because Jesus dealt with the one thing that could separate us. And church, that needs to be the fuel for our trust, whether it be in the seasons of darkness or in the momentary times that we face it. We ought to use the gospel to come back to the cross, to remember what Christ has done and have that fuel our trust that God's promise to be with us is actually true. And so therefore, because of what Christ has done, we can declare with Paul that, that it doesn't matter. There's no, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither height nor depth, neither pandemic nor, nor, nor good health, neither broken relationships or relational bliss, neither financial difficulty or sustainability. Nothing can separate us from the love of God because of what Christ has done. Church, if we're believers this morning, that is the fuel for our trust, that we can trust that God will be with us, even when we don't see the next foot, the next step in front of us, even when it's tough, we can trust that God will be with us because he's demonstrated on the cross his willingness to take the one thing that could separate us, our sin, and he's dealt with that. We can trust that God is and will be with us because we're united to Christ and because of what Christ has done. And so as we come towards a close then this morning, our fourth and final point, how can we do it? How, how can we actually go about living in, in, in this space? If you're, you're in a place where you're facing a dark situation, maybe you've been in a whole season of and everything is dark. Maybe you go through periods where things are great, but then moments come up here and there and you, you feel like that anxiety comes up again. How do we live in that space? How, do we, how can we actually come back and... and um, focus our, our gaze on, on Christ and, and, and the fact that he's with us. Well, if we go back to our passage in Psalm 23, I wonder if you noticed something as we read it that was interesting in verse 4. See, in the first three verses, David talks about God in, in the third person. He says, he makes me lie down. He leads me. He refreshes my soul. It's almost like when things are great, he's saying, yeah, yeah, God's with me. Yep, he's done all this for me. But when things get tough in verse 4, there's a shift. There's a shift in his language. He no longer talks about God in the third person. He starts talking directly to him. I think that's an important thing for us to remember, particularly when we're facing difficult times, that sometimes our innate response is actually to do the opposite to turn away, to turn towards ourselves and our ability to fix things, to turn towards our things or our possessions or the, the things that we can control to try to bring about a resolution, maybe to turn even to other people. But ultimately what we need to do, what we see the psalmist doing here is turning to God. He turns his gaze towards God. He's no longer talking about him in the third person. He turns and he fixes his eyes on him. Even, in, uh, even on the midst or on the precipice of the darkest valley. So this morning, I want to give us three things, three not life-changing things. You've probably heard them before, but things I think will be helpful that will help us do exactly that. That will help us turn our gaze towards Christ. When, when things are tough and when everything else in us is pulling us in the opposite way, three things that will help us turn towards Christ and fix our gaze on him. So firstly, it's reading God's word. Church, this morning, not just this morning, in, in all of Christian um, history, God's given us his word. And the pages of God's word are filled with revelation of who 
God is, the primary way that God reveals his character is in his word, in the Old and the New Testament. The promises of God are littered throughout the passage, the passages. The, the promises that we can cling to, the hope that we can have is here in God's word. And so if, when things get tough, if we choose to put our, our Bibles on the shelves and we choose not to, to come and read about what God has done in the past, the promises that he has, who he is, if we choose not to do that, church, we're going to run the risk of gazing into a God that we've made up in our minds where we focus on some characteristics to the detriment of another, where we, we forget that God is both loving and just. He's both healer and sovereign. We need to come and spend time reading his word every day, but particularly in those times where things are tough. And so I want to encourage you, church, pick up your Bibles, pick up a commentary, pick up a, a, a devotional book that will help lead you through a book or a passage or a couple of passages and read and meditate, chew upon God's word and who he reveals himself to be. Which then brings us to our second point. Once we've done that, turn that then into prayer. So often again, prayer seems to almost be a little bit inefficient sometimes if we're honest. We know that we should pray, but sometimes we feel like it's more efficient for us to do things or for us to speak to someone else. But church, God's word again and again shows us the importance of bringing our needs to God. And so as you read and as you meditate on the character of God, turn that into prayer. Thank him for the fact that he is who he says he is, that he has given these promises that you've been meditating on. Repent maybe of how you failed to believe that or how you failed to trust that and ask by his spirit that he would help you to believe that, that he would help you to remember that. So often we, we, when it comes to prayer, all we, we pray about is for a change of circumstance and that's important, that's helpful, we, we need to do that. But I encourage you church to also pray for a change of heart, pray for a change of perspective, pray for a greater measure of faith to trust in the midst of the darkest valley. Pray that the gospel will sink deeper into your heart so that no matter what you see with your physical eyes or hear with your physical ears, that you'll be able to trust the promises of God and who he says he is. Just want to encourage you as you read, turn into prayer, come before him and, and, and pour out your heart, open your heart to him in prayer. And then thirdly and finally, something that's been quite difficult recently is to, to bring your needs and to gather with other people, other brothers and sisters. I know that's been hard because we haven't been able to gather physically for a number of months, but we see again and again, God doesn't call us to live in isolation. If we're going through a hard time, again, our innate tendency is to pull away, to avoid talking to people, to avoid um, sharing our needs. But, but God says again and again in his word to come together, to encourage one another. I can't tell you how many times I've been in, a, in, in, in maybe a difficult season or, or going through something and um, I might go over to a friend's house or have dinner with a friend and, and I leave that space kind of going, oh, thank you, God, I feel so encouraged and uplifted. But then questioning myself, hang on, I, I met up with people. I didn't necessarily spend time you know, in devotions and praying in that moment. What, why am I encouraged? But what we see is that sometimes God chooses to manifest his presence and his love and his care for us through his people. And so as a church, particularly all the more now where we've been scattered for a while, I want to encourage you, if you're going through something difficult, bring your needs to fellow brothers and sisters. Come back and share and, and pour out your hearts and be open, be prayed for, be encouraged. And if you're maybe not going through a difficult season right now, you have the opportunity to be that encouragement, 
to reach out to those who you know are going through tough times, who you know are on the, the verge of a, a dark valley or in the midst of a dark storm, to reach out to them and say, hey, how can I pray for you? How are you going? What's, what's on your heart? What, how can I encourage you? I want to encourage you, if you're in that space, to reach out to those that you know that are struggling. And so this morning, church, as we come to a close, I want to encourage us that we step in towards this new ministry year. Let us remain firm. Let us remain steadfast. Let us remain secure because we know that the Lord, our good shepherd, is with us. Even when we can't feel it, even when we are struggling, we're on the precipice of that dark valley, God promises to be with us now and always. Let's use that. Let's let that sing into our hearts and give us the courage to stand firm in the midst of it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that you have promised to be with us. And we thank you that you have done the the ultimate thing to enable it to happen by sending your son to die for us. We thank you that because we've been united to Christ, because we are in him, we can have the confidence that we will not be forsaken. That when you promise in your word that you will never leave us or forsake it, you mean it. We thank you, Lord God, that we were going, even if we're going through dark, dark periods, Lord God, that we can know that you will be with us. You are by our side. Lord God, we know that there are people in our church, in our community, um, who are going through very difficult things right now. Lord God, we prayed about a few of them earlier today with uh, the passing of loved ones and other things. Father, we, we know that that is present and relevant in our church. And Lord God, we pray that you would manifest your presence in the hearts of those of us who are struggling. We pray that you would surround them with your love and your grace, that by your spirit you'd encourage them, that you would draw them to your word, to read, to pray, to gather and and commune with other believers and be encouraged in their faith. Father God, we pray that we would hold firm to this, knowing that your presence isn't just something in the distance that we've got to go to, but you promise to be with us here and now. Lord, by your spirit indwelling in us, we thank you that you are present. And Father, we, we ask, Lord God, that you'd help us to become more and more aware of your presence with us each and every day. God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.